0: Robinson's Off-Break by E.B.V. Christian. Read for the Coffee Break Collection 27. Sports by Kevin S. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Robinson's Off-Break I suppose there was no more popular cricketer in all Surrey than Jack Robinson from Halsmere to Croydon, from Redhill to Virginia Water, everyone knew him, and he had played on every green and heath in the county. He seemed to have nothing to do but play cricket, and though he never appeared at the Oval, he had dealt out destruction to the batsmen everywhere else. He was a plucky, hard-hitting batsman, and a good field anywhere, but his most notable quality was his off-break. His balls would whip back a yard at top pace, and on his day no one could stand against him. He had brought victory to the Farley Green Club more times than we, as old rivals of the Farley Green men, cared to remember. Yet he was so good a fellow that a batsman after his third duck's egg bore no malice. You can imagine the dismay at Farley Green and the mixture of congratulations and regret in our village when we heard that Robinson had accepted some business appointment in a cricketless settlement in the South Seas. I said good-bye to him one January day. It was less than two months afterward that we heard that his ship had gone down with all hands. That, everyone said, was a wretched end for so good a cricketer. It was a miserable business. But we little thought how far off the end really was, or how much trouble that off-break was yet to cause us. It was when Robinson's will became known that the excitement began. The news of his death was so well authenticated that the court at once presumed his death and his relatives were about to obtain probate his bats and bags and other cricket materials he had left amongst those of us who had known him best his belongings of greater pecuniary value were given to various relatives but the clause in the will which concerned us most was this and i give and bequeath my off-break together with my pace pitch and all other things necessary to the full use and enjoyment of the said off-break to my friend john robinson brown of walnersh in the county of surrey free of duty and i expressed the wish but so that no precatory or other trust is to be implied in respect of the bequest hereby made that he will make use of the said off-break for the benefit of the farley green cricket club of which we are both members now this we strongly objected to we were deeply sorry robinson was gone but we didn't see why as he was gone his off-break should remain to injure us still we felt it would be ungracious to dispute the will and so far as we were concerned brown might have enjoyed his legacy unquestioned but the Galdaming men thought otherwise they entered a caveat and a suit was commenced in the probate court to establish the will the first difficulty was to determine what was to be done with the off-break and the rest of the estate while the suit was pending the writ was issued in march and clearly the case could not come on for trial till after the long vacation the whole cricket season would be gone before a decision could be obtained for these legal umpires in black gowns take longer to make up their minds than our umpires in white coats do clearly poor robinson's estate must be managed by someone, meanwhile. So the plaintiff appealed to the court to appoint a receiver. At first the Galdaming men meant to oppose the application, but in the court, I went down out of curiosity to hear the application made, I happened to meet Harvey, the Galdaming captain, and a few minutes' conversation quite altered the defendant's tactics. When the motion was reached, the counsel for the Galdaming men said he was quite agreed that an administrator, Pendente Litte, must be appointed the only question was who was the most proper person for the post he suggested mr wilson of farley green one of the plaintiffs to whom the defendants felt there could be no objection the plaintiffs counsel not seeing through this sudden change of front accepted the suggestion i don't think wilson who was the crack batsman of farley green realized the awful consequences of that appointment he was a really good batsman as all our bowlers knew from sad experience, until he was appointed by the court. This order was made in May, and Wilson had just started the season with a not-out innings of sixty when he was thus appointed administrator Pendente lite and receiver of the off-break. After that, for two months, in fourteen matches and seventeen innings, Wilson did not make ten runs. His luck was lamentable. The most ordinary bowler could get him out. Plain-looking balls whipped back from the off and beat him. A man who had never been known to break a ball an inch could, when bowling to Wilson, make the ball come back a yard. Farley Green did not win a match, for Wilson's failure and the loss of Robinson demoralized the rest. Wilson got so accustomed to balls coming in from the off that he tried standing in front of his wicket, but was always like before. He tried to pull, but that stroke was foreign to his correct style. He hit out wildly and skied the ball on the off every time. At last he realized the spell that was on him. He was receiver of the off break. All the damage that Robinson used to do was now done to him. Once he had realized this, he acted promptly, and in a week he had resigned his post. The question was, then, what was to be done. No one would accept the appointment. Wilson's ill luck and the explanation of it had become known throughout the county and no one else was willing to risk a similar experience eventually the judge ordered the off-break to be deposited in court with the title deeds to the other property and there it remained till the trial at least it was supposed to remain there but i heard tales of the wonderful bowling performances of a member of the civil service cc who had not hitherto been distinguished I inquired, and found he was a clerk in the principal probate registry, and I thought I understood what had happened. No dust would have accumulated on Robinson's disputed bequest. However, that was no affair of mine. What I could not understand was the failure of some Farley Green bowler to accept the vacant receivership. Of course, neither Wilson nor any other batsman should have accepted the office, but a bowler could have made good use of that break but it was not for me to suggest this. Our return match with Farley Green was coming on, and I did not want Robinson's ghost to spoil our averages. The case came on for trial in November. Farley Green had not had so bad a season for twenty years, and I don't think that even Brown, the legatee, should look forward with much pleasure to the result. But I am bound to admit that the defense the Galdaming men set up was shabby they alleged that the will had been obtained by the undue influence which brown exercised over poor robinson what in your own words was the nature of the influence exercised over mr robinson asked the plaintiff's counsel it was twofold said harvey mr brown was umpiring once or twice when robinson the testator was bowling and i used to think his decisions favored the bowler in what way well he has given me leg before to a ball that pitched outside the stumps you were out leg before wicket then yes and you were not satisfied i think i was not out mr harvey tell me this did you ever think you were out in that way poor harvey being on oath of course had to admit he never did think so now can you tell me the name of any man who was ever satisfied in such circumstances Harvey thought he could, but it turned out that he only knew of a man who had admitted he was out after the umpire had decided in his favor, and he made a lot of runs subsequently. His lordship looked at the jury and smiled. Now tell me, Mr. Harvey, what were the other means by which you say undue influence was exerted? I think it was shown in the desire expressed that the off-break should be used for the Farley Club poor robinson used to belong to a lot of clubs he often played for us at Godalming, and i never noticed that he himself kept his break for the farley club only but he was a leading member of the farley green cc yes and specially interested in its fortunes possibly after that of course there was nothing more to be said the jury found for the plaintiff without retiring and the court pronounced in favor of the will but the season was over, and Farley Green had not had much benefit from the legacy. Next season, of course, we expected them to take their revenge. But for a time, things went worse than ever. And Brown—poor Brown—I was really sorry for him. That wretched legacy ruined his average. Brown was a left-handed bowler with a curl from the leg. Robinson had been a right-handed bowler, and the two breaks never amalgamated. Whether the break had been allowed to get damp in court after the season was over— or whatever the cause, it never seemed to work properly in Brown's hands. If he pitched to the off, the off break was absent, and his own curl from leg made the ball wide. If he pitched to leg, intending the ball to come in round the batsman's legs, then Robinson's off break unexpectedly acted, and the batsman got a safe and easy boundary. We used to chafe Brown and advise him to get the break repaired, but the poor fellow was so depressed about it that we soon ceased to talk in this way. AND AT THE END OF JUNE HE HAD ALMOST DECIDED TO GIVE UP BOWLING. THEN A STRANGE THING HAPPENED. WE WERE PLAYING THE PEACE LAKE MEN ON OUR HEATH WHEN A bronze STRANGER WAS NOTICED PEEPING FROM BEHIND THE TENT. HE HAD TATTOO MARKS ON HIS FACE AND HANDS, AND HE HAD GROWN A BEARD. OTHERWISE HE WAS UNCHANGED, FOR OF COURSE IT WAS ROBINSON. HE HAD A WONDERFUL TALE TO TELL OF SHIPWRECKS AND ADVENTURES, Malays AND MISSIONARIES, BUT THAT, AS HAS BEEN REMARKED, IS ANOTHER STORY. The great thing was, here was Robinson back again, and I was using his favorite bat, and Johnson, for old acquaintance's sake, had put on Robinson's pads and his off-break, that unlucky off-break. Here we were in June, and Robinson was thirsting for a game, and of course, as he was not dead, he wanted his off-break and his other belongings back again. But it took him seven months to satisfy the court that he was entitled to have them. By that time, the off-break had become quite useless. So he has gone in for batting and makes ten times as many runs as he used to, but his bowling is quite gone. And the most annoying thing is that he had to pay eighty-seven pounds legacy duty to get that off-break back from Brown. End of Robinson's Off-break by E. B. V. Christian.